Hello, mummers, and welcome back to episode four in our VBAC podcast series. Today, we're talking all about the risk of uterine rupture and what the research and the stats behind it suggest. Enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. I am so excited. It is episode four in probably my most favorite series to date because this topic is so close to my heart. Having had my own vaginal birth after two seizures, I totally empathize, understand, and am passionate about helping other mamas on their VBAC journey because I know what it felt like to be on that journey on my own. It feels quite alone. It feels quite confusing. It feels It's very confronting. And I think it's really, really important to be able to share this information with women because it's not so readily available for us to understand and really have true informed consent about what we are saying yes to in birth and what's important to us and what risks are acceptable. Now, if you haven't already, please go back to episode one, two, and three and go and check those out if you haven't already because they give you a really good foundation You can certainly listen to today's episode on its own, but they give you a really good foundation for understanding in general how to support yourself really well for VBAC, how to prepare yourself really well, how to understand what your success rates and your chances of a successful VBAC are. We talk about going overdue, inductions, big babies, all of those things. So please, if any of that sounds really relevant to you, really important to you, which I think it should be, please go check those out in your own time. But today, everyone wants to know this. It is hot in everyone's mind when it comes to VBAC. We want to know about uterine rupture. So I've got the wonderful Julian Megan, who you met in episodes two and three for this series from the VBAC link. You can find them at the VBAC link. They are joining us today to really unpack what is the risk of uterine rupture. Okay, so it's a big, scary word. A lot of women have a lot of fears around uterine rupture naturally because that is what's peddled as The main problem with VBAC, right? Like that is the main thing we're worried about is the uterine rupture because you've already got a scar there. So we unpack today the stats, the evidence, we break down the evidence about what is your risk of rupture with a VBAC and with a vaginal birth after two seizures. So we talk about after one seizure and after two seizures. We also talk about the risk of rupture with a cesarean section versus a vaginal birth. We talk about the risk of rupture when you don't have a scar at all. And we also talk about the risk of rupture before labor begins because these things are possible. We nerd out on numbers and facts today. We talk also about the risks and safety of repeat cesarean section because sometimes that is not always spoken about. We talk a lot about vaginal birth risk, but we don't always talk about repeat cesarean risk. So we talk about that today. And we do also talk about placenta accreta and placenta previa. Also, please note, Megan does mention in this podcast, she mentions placenta previa. However, she is actually referring to placenta accreta and she does correct herself down the track. But just in case it's confusing anyone, please note she meant to talk about placenta accreta. Okay, so when you get to that part, that will make more sense to you. But really hope you get a lot out of this podcast. I know this is hot in everyone's mind. They want to be 
fully informed with the facts. So please come on over to at Physio Laura and let me know after you've listened to this, what you got out of this podcast, how it's influenced your understanding around VBACs and how it might influence your journey moving forward. I would so love to hear it. And please jump on over and send some love to Julie and Megan at the VBAC link if you loved what they're sharing, because this is such important information to get out there and they are doing wonders in this world they are doulas and they run an amazing website and blog and instagram helping to inform women with all the facts when it comes to VBAC. so definitely share some love around there if you liked what they presented today i am so grateful to have had them on the podcast we have one more amazing episode coming up in this series where we talk about care providers and how to find the right care provider what questions to ask we talk about VBAC specific birth plans is a really informative really good preparation for anyone on this feedback journey so I do encourage you to subscribe to the pregnancy with physio laura podcast so that you don't miss on miss out on that release but you know guys if you've listened to the podcast before all of this information all these episodes everything lives inside my online program the pregnancy posse it is all up there for you to enjoy all at once. You don't have to wait for it to be released to the public. I share it inside the members portal as soon as the podcast series is released. So if you want to see all these episodes and listen to them all at once, go inside the Pregnancy Posse. If you're looking for more birth support, physical and mental support, if you're looking to keep strong and fit during your pregnancy with pregnancy specific workouts, if you need help for managing pelvic pain, rib pain, back pain, hemorrhoids, constipation, whatever it is, I cover all of this inside the Pregnancy Posse. It is super cost-effective, super valuable, amazing community. Thousands of mamas have gone through this program and it's just a beautiful way for me to pour my heart, soul, knowledge into this space. So if that sounds really good to you, please jump on over to thepregnancyposse.com to learn more. And without further ado, mamas, let's jump into today's episode chatting all about uterine rupture. Enjoy. Now, we, we're quite a while in. I'm sure there's many women who have been waiting to hear what we're going to talk about now. Sorry if, you've, if I've kept you to this point, but let's talk uterine rupture. That is the big, the big shtick, I guess, when it comes to VBAC. That's the big thing that women are worried about. And I know myself, when I was attempting VBAC, I guess I thought of uterine rupture like a big balloon that bursts and that you'd get halfway through labor and your uterus would just pop open and it would be a disaster. So could you talk us through maybe what uterine rupture is and what are the risks for both VBAC and VBAC2 as well? Because I think that's really important. That's something I experienced uh, myself. But what are the risks for first-time VBAC and second-time VBAC? Yeah, absolutely. So here's kind of another area where... um, there's studies that show a little bit different numbers. So depending on the study that you look at, you'll see a uterine rupture rate of anywhere from 0.4% to 0.8%. Some providers will throw around, oh, you have 1% chance of uterine rupture. Some providers will say you have less than 1% chance. Some providers will say one in 200 or half a percent chance. All of those numbers are, are great. They're right in the area of what most studies, most credible studies have shown. Um, the one, the study that we really like to use is from a Cochrane review, and it shows a uterine rupture rate of 0.4%. It's a pretty large credible study, um, which equates to roughly one in 240 or one, one in 200. That's why I'm saying like anywhere like in that range is, is a good sound statistic that's probably pulled from a credible source. Even for VBAC after two C-sections, um, ACOG, 
um, site in their practice bulletin that a rupture rate of 1.2%. So um, what ACOG says about VBAC after two C-sections is actually kind of contradictory in itself because it's, it references two studies. One study showed 0% increase in risk after two cesareans. Right, I know. I see your puzzled look on your face. Yeah, yeah. Um, same thing for me, right? And the other study that they showed had a 1.8 percent chance in uterine rupture, which is an increase of, of either double or triple, depending on what study that you're looking mm -hmm. at. So whether the increase is none or whether the increase is two to three times or anywhere in between. Um, again, it's still um, one of those things where you have to take on like the acceptable risks based on your specific circumstances. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's another thing that's kind of hard to get to give a direct answer. And this is actually one of the things that we might um, face our most criticism about is <laughs> there's not really one specific uterine rupture rate, right? And everyone yeah. always wants one specific uterine rupture rate. And there just isn't because there's so many studies. But what I can tell you is what ACOG says. And what I can tell you is the study that we really like to use is from that uh, systemic review from uh, the Cochrane database, which is the 0.4%. So anywhere in there, less than 1%, great. One in 200, even better. But uterine rupture for VBAC after two or more cesareans is, again, there's not a whole lot of increased risk in, except for that one study that showed quite a bit of increased risk. And I'm actually going to break down some studies in just a minute. But before I get into that, I want to talk about the word rupture. Oh my gosh, it sounds so scary, right? Uterine rupture, it feels like your whole stomach is going to explode or rip apart or shred apart. And most of the time, that is not what happens. Most uterine ruptures actually are not even discovered until they're in the operating room. Either baby's fetal heart tones aren't doing well, is either arrested labor, um, the birthing person stopped dilating, baby stopped descending, some kind of infection or other reason indicated for a cesarean. They go back and they start the surgery and, oh, wow, look, it's like mom had a rupture, right? It's usually not that catastrophic or big or scary. It's just something happens, the labor is delayed and a repeat cesarean becomes necessary. Every once in a while, um, there'll be signs where like a really big, strong burning pain that mother will feel between contractions that won't go away to the epidural pain that radiates up through like to the shoulders, um, lots of excessive bleeding. There, there are certain signs of uterine rupture that we can talk about a little bit later if you would like, but most of the time uterine rupture is, um, caught and it is, you know, or not caught and discovered when on the operating room and is easily repaired. Mom is healthy baby is healthy. Everyone is great. Now one in 16 times. So one out of every 16 uterine ruptures are considered catastrophic, which, which equals about when you break the numbers down, it equals about one in 2000 VBAC attempts or TOLAX. We can use that ugly word TOLAC that everybody doesn't like because it's trial of labor after cesarean. About one in 2000 of those will end up in a catastrophic uterine rupture. The catastrophic uterine rupture is where the scar is open up all the way. Baby loses oxygen for a significant amount of time, and it results in either loss of life for the baby or significant lifelong disabilities from that birth or a significant amount of blood loss or hysterectomy or major medical complications for the mother, or sometimes both. Now, like I said, these things we're talking about them not 
to scare you, but this is a real risk. You've got to assume one in 2000 might be very reasonable, uh, um, risk for a lot of people, but it might be too big a risk for other people. Um, it might be really easy to make that decision based on the risks of repeat cesarean, which are a lot greater than the risk for uterine rupture and a catastrophic uterine rupture, but some people prefer the, the risks over surgery, um, which has a lot smaller, uh, risk for loss of infant life. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're talking about there. But as far as uterine rupture rates, uh, so silly and see, I'm even like looking at some of our blogs right now and there's just different numbers because there's different studies that show different things yeah. sometimes. And so, um, there are actually VBAC after two and more cesareans. There's actually VBAC after three and more cesareans. We have a, a collection of studies. If you just Google VBAMC, so VBAC after multiple cesareans, you can pull it all up. But there's actually been um, eight studies done since the 1990s. And I know like everyone's going to cringe and be like, oh, the study's like 30 years old. Like that's terrible. It's an old study is not as good as a new study. We all know that. However, since 1993 is my earliest study, or I'm sorry, actually 1989 is the earliest study. Um, and 2006 is the most recent study. There just hasn't been any other studies mm. on VBAC after multiple cesareans. So we yes. have to use the data that's available to us. So um, I know cringe, totally old study. I even kind of cringe at it. However, um, it's what we have and all we can do, well, all we can work with is what we have. So as far as that, um, we can kind of get in, I don't want to get in too deep into like what makes a study credible versus not credible. Now these studies do have some small sample sizes. So the smallest one is 302 people, which is not too great. The largest one is 1800 people. Now, um, a lot of things make a study credible, but usually you want a sample size of larger than 500 and all but two of these have that study. So in these studies um, that I'm looking at right now, all these um, statistics, the rate of rupture in people that had VBAC after three or more cesareans, I'm sorry, attempted VBAC, um, ranged from 0%, like no uterine ruptures in one of the studies that had 500 labors in it, to um, 2%. Mm. So the 2% study had 1,100 participants in it. There's a study that had 1,800 people, had 1.7% rupture rate. The study that um, study 596 participants had 1% rupture rate, 975 people had a 0.9% rupture rate. So even then we're seeing such a similar rate of rupture to VBAC after two cesareans. We're like, oh, 0.9% to 1.8%, mm. right? Um, same thing with VBAC after one cesarean, you see rupture rates from that go from 0.4% to point or to 1%, 0.4% yeah. to 1% there. So the rate does seem to increase a little bit with two and more cesareans, but again, that's a, that's a risk that may be acceptable for people and it may not be acceptable for other people. I think that's fantastic that you've just broken that all down because this is the importance of knowing the research because a lot of the time as a VBAC2 mama, you would probably know this too, Megan, is that you are told your risk of uterine rupture doubles and that's all you're told. And so you think, well, naturally, whew, I don't want to take a risk that doubles. That's doubles. crazy. Yeah. And yep. then when you actually break it down and go, oh, so I was essentially told like a 1% to a 2% risk. Um, and like you said, there's a whole heap of variables in there, but roughly speaking, that's what we were talking about. And I sat with that and I was like, I am 
I'm really comfortable with that statistic. Yes, it is doubling, but we need to put this in perspective. And then when you told me, Julie, that one in 16 of the ruptures are catastrophic. So when you then break it on down even further, it's it, it's just so minute for me. And I'm not, yeah. for some women, that will be too big of a risk. Yeah. And that's completely fine. The whole point of this is information that you can then decide what you want to do with it. But I just think it's really cool to actually use the numbers rather than just saying your risk doubles. Because mm-hmm. if your risk doubles from... 40% to 80%, you know what? Maybe I will have a repeat Caesar because that seems like a big risk to me. But when you actually know the stats, you can then mm-hmm. use that information much better when you know the numbers rather than just the fear mongering, double the risk. You know, we need to really break it on down. So I'm really happy that you you did that for us. Thank you so much. Cause I think that's just going to really help women understand. And the other thing, my understanding, and you've confirmed that as well, is that we just don't have a lot of studies on VBAC after multiple seizures because A, not many women They're are not doing happening. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And B, it's not being studied. So it's really hard to get factual information because it's just not happening all that often. So I guess, you know, in 15 years time, maybe we'll have more information as more and more women do it. But for what information we do have, I think it's quite promising. So I think, yeah, that's really, really cool. I just want to jump in a little bit here and say, we can share statistics with you all day long. And it doesn't really matter past the extent of you need to gather this and then sit with it and trust your intuition and your heart and your mind to tell you what to do. Because, because the statistics could say that everything is super low risk, but if something doesn't feel right about it to you, you should not do it. So take everything that we share with you and everything that you can learn and everything that you have and mold that into what feels right for you, because something might make sense logically when it doesn't feel right. And that is okay. Yes. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think that's, yeah. I, sometimes I think it goes without saying, cause that's my ethos, but I do think it's worth. I know. I feel saying. like it's important to clarify though. Yeah, every once in a while, no. it's kind of like ours too, but yeah. you know. Yeah. hundred percent. This is, and that's like I said at the start, this is not a you should have a VBAC podcast at mm-hmm. all. This is a, here's information that you may not have been exposed to, to help you make the best decision for you, mm-hmm. because there is no one right way to birth. It's only the right way for you. So I think that's what this is, an information gathering exercise, because I know yeah. that a lot of women aren't exposed to this information. So that's what this is. There is no one right way to birth. And like you said, intuition, mm-hmm. you can't measure that. You can't study that. But that for me is such a key factor. If something is not feeling right, you need to explore that. And then that's a huge part of what my third pregnancy and birth journey was, was being led by intuition, which logically made no sense to me. I was like, this isn't how I normally operate. This is not, you know, making a lot of sense on paper, but it feels right. And I I went with that and it was the best experience for me because I was led by my intuition. So yeah, I think that's really important to note. Now I have a couple of final questions and they're mostly around the cesarean. So we've talked a lot about VBAC, but you mentioned before about the risk of VBAC versus the risk of cesarean. So, or actually, sorry to interject. Another thing to note, and I'm not sure, Julie, if you have the stats on this right now, but you can have a uterine rupture without a scar. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Because I remember hearing that and being like, I thought only VBAC mamas had to worry about that, but there is still a risk of having a uterine rupture, even if you don't have a Caesar scar. 
and you can have a uterine rupture before you go into labor. Yes. And most, most uterine ruptures happen, um, actually during the procedure due to the pressure, like doing a repeat cesarean, like a scheduled repeat cesarean does not prevent you from having a uterine rupture. The pressure of the surgery has a higher chance of creating a separation of the scar while they're actually operating than, than statistically your chances of having one during laboring. Fascinating. So that's what I was going to ask you. You mentioned the risk of Caesar versus VBAC. So do you know the, um, what the risk of a rupture with a repeat cesarean is? Oh my goodness. I have oh, sorry. All the data. <laughs> I'm like, no, like- where, where is it located? Um, yes, I can pull it up really quick if you don't mind hearing no, all no, of the clicks of fine. my mouse, but yes, well, um, the national vital data, national vital records database in, in the United States keeps track of all of the birth outcomes and associated, um, mortality and morbidity associated with that. And we pull their most recent, and they're actually several years behind. So the most recent data is five or six years old, but I do have it. Let me see where I can find and, it. Let's talk and, about something. In the and meantime. there's, there's other risks, um, for repeat cesarean in general, not just like a rupture. Um, so some other risks are blood loss. Um, you can actually lose a lot more blood in a cesarean than you sometimes can in a vaginal, mm-hmm. um, previa placenta previa. So, and it increases with each cesarean that you have, um, you have a higher chance that the placenta will essentially attach itself to the, the scar, um, the uterine scar. Um, so that's a, that's a risk. And I believe, is it like, I don't even know. I have it somewhere here too. Um, I think it's like, okay, yeah. So C-section, so, um, placenta previa after C-section is like 1.5 and six times higher after, after wait, between 1.5 and six times higher. Um, than after a vaginal delivery. And so it, if you think about like a, a cut in your uterus, there's so many fibers, right. That have to come together. And if a, you, if a placenta comes and goes through, it can attach into that. And then that is a, that's a serious risk. That is a, a 100% need for a repeat cesarean instead of a vaginal birth as well. And um, because then your baby's life is at risk. Um, so that does increase, um, people don't know this, but, um, babies actually have a risk of being cut themselves. Mm-hmm. About um, one in 100. Yeah. One in 100 babies will be cut. And I I've actually personally, as a doula, I've seen babies be cut, um, where they go in and, you know, babies are down there and they can, they can accidentally cut them. Um, you also have risks to your bladder. Your bladder can be, um, cut or damaged. And so they're, there definitely are risks for cesarean in general and repeat cesarean. And a lot of people don't even talk about the future risks, um, like after everything is healed, right? And you may have something like this, and, and, um, but I, I have like back pain, this back pain, and um, I actually have a really tight scar. Um, it's soft on one side and harder on the other. And what's happening is I have dense adhesions and my, I actually am adhering my, my scar is adhering to my bladder. Mm. So I'll get that. And then it pulls in my back and I have lower back pain and the lower back pain is due to the dense adhesions that I have inside. 
And um, so anyway, it's just, it's kind of interesting to think, a lot of people think C-section to save the vagina, mm. right? Like, and if you think about what goes into a cesarean, they're cutting through many layers and around all the organs. And so we are putting those organs at risk. We're putting, you know, ourselves at risk for more adhesions, more bleeding and more problems and increased infection. So, and I think that's important for women to know, like any way of birth carries risk. And Mm -hmm. just because it is in an operating theater under, you know, like strict protocols and whatnot, doesn't necessarily mean that it it is a risk-free option yeah yeah I think it's important to know um and there's plenty of risk with vaginal delivery of course we know that we're assuming that you know that too and if not well that's not the podcast right now for that topic but there are also risks with cesarean sections I think it's really important to know it's not just a straightforward procedure no surgery is risk-free so it's really important to know that thank you yeah so I have that data oh yeah yeah Let's see it, hear it. Okay, and this is from the 2016 National Vital Data, National Vital Statistics Reports for United States. So wow. a ruptured uterus. I know. I know. I'm we've been talking a lot today. I'm so excited. <laughs> still running like this. Um okay, so this compares um rates for vaginal birth with no previous cesarean, prime um first primary cesarean without any like. So primary cesarean, meaning like their first cesarean, um, vaginal birth, a successful VBAC, right? Previous, uh, with one previous cesarean and then a repeat cesarean deliveries. So multiple cesarean deliveries. So the ruptured uteruses, and um, this is per 100,000 live births. I can convert these two probability or percentages in just a second. So per 100,000 live births in the repeat cesarean group, there was 40, I'm sorry, there was um, 88.9 per 100,000 um, ruptured uteruses in the scheduled repeat cesarean group. And in the VBAC group, which includes those that ended, so like VBAC includes like TOLAC attempts. Um, so attempted VBAC is, was only 43.8. So it's almost double in the repeat cesarean group. So that equals to 0.044 percent mm-hmm. for TOLAC and 0.088% or 0.089% for the repeat cesarean group. That's fascinating. That is not something I actually was aware of, to be honest. I did not know mm-hmm. the risk of rupture, A, that it was really a thing for CESAR, but B, that it was potentially double the risk, even though the number is still quite small in these studies. But I think that's yeah. really important to note. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you so much for <laughs> diving in. And then the that. primary cesarean group, actually, this is really interesting. The primary cesarean group, so primary cesarean, no history of cesarean. uterine surgery, like at all, was 49.2 per 100,000 live births. Now, if you remember, the VBAC group was 43.8 for 100,000 line births. So the people without a history of cesarean had a slightly higher uterine rupture rates than those that attempted VBAC. That's really really interesting. interesting. I'm sure it's probably, I'm sure there's probably, and this is not a study. This is just reported data. So this is like what, what doctors wrote down in hospitals and reported to um, the national vital records 
data yeah. center. So yeah. there's surely some error there. There's some things that probably wouldn't hold up under scrutiny if you really look too deeply into it. This is just the reported numbers. So yeah. that's really fascinating. Kind of fascinating. Yeah. Huh? yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, super interesting. And I have two more questions before we wrap this topic up. You mentioned placenta previa, Megan. Is that the same or different to placenta accreta? Because I got a few questions coming through about the risk of that. Different. different. Could you Mm -hmm. explain the differences between those and what the risk of accreta is with a repeat cesarean? Yeah. Do you want to, Julie? Yeah, sure. So placenta previa is when the placenta like covers the cervix that covers the opening of the cervix. Like the baby literally can't come out because there's like a something covering the door, you know, like the cervix can't open it causes massive risk of hemorrhage, substantial blood loss for mother, um, major risks there. So that is very indicative of um, a cesarean delivery and for any birth, no matter first, second, third, fourth, whatever. So that's placenta previa is where the placenta is covering or partially covering the cervix. Placenta accreta is when the uh, placenta grows through the uterine wall so it goes too deep into the uterus I think I I think I said previa but I meant Um, accreta yeah yeah, yeah. earlier yeah where it's in sometimes it can get a little confusing (laughs) uh no yeah but that is what I meant yes where it's into the scar yep yeah and so it can go into the scar and when it when it grows into the scar it's incredibly it's even riskier because the scar tissue just is just thin connective tissue the muscles a lot more dense is more fibrous mm-hmm. so the there's actually something to hold on to so it's a lot harder for it to separate which is why you need a repeat cesarean because the placenta does not detach very easily but a placenta accreta that grows through the scar can be risky uh, increased risk of placental abruption and other placental complications so mm-hmm. um when you go from i mean the pl- risk for placenta accreta is actually increases substantially with each cesarean, but by the time you get to your fifth cesarean, you go from 0.03% risk of placenta accreta to 6.74%. So if you're having just one or two kids in your family, placenta accreta might not be something that is a lot for you to consider, might not be something that weighs in a lot on your decision-making. But if you're, if you want five, six children or more, maybe, um, that's a huge risk and it is a life-threatening thing. This is a, I mean, this is one of the major causes for the higher mortality rates in mothers with cesarean deliveries. It's a lot higher. It's still, we're still talking about a significantly small risk. So you're not going to die if you have a repeat cesarean, but is a, I mean, like, it's not, I mean, I guess you can't, I can't say that with like absolute certainty, but like, the risk is a lot higher due to the complications that come with multiple repeat uterine surgeries, such as placenta accreta, because you're going from 0.3% to 6%. I don't know what times in, um, what increase in risk that is relatively, but it's substantial. Yeah. That's really important to know. Again, that's not something I was really aware of. And I think, like you said, it's important if you want a large family to be factoring these sorts of things in. Um, you've got to be thinking ahead to the future of what these decisions mm-hmm. mean. So I think that's really good food for thought. So thank you so much. This this is like so good for my physio brain to hear all these stats and evidence and I love it so much. Hello, mamas. I really hope that that episode was really enlightening to you because I know myself when I was on my VBAC journey, 
trying to really pull apart what the risk of uterine rupture was for a VBAC, but for me, it was mostly around the VBAC two, VBAC after two cesareans, I should say. Trying to understand that risk was harder than I expected. It's not easy. I'm a physio, so I know how to read research and I know how to find research. But as a everyday woman, it is not easy to find research. It is not easy to Google. Google doesn't show you. Google's quite biased. You know that, right? <laughs> so like Google doesn't show you all the different options. If you Google what is the uterine rupture risk, there's a lot of opinion-based articles out there. And I really wanted to show you what are the facts. Where is this information coming from? What does the research say? So that you as an individual, empowered, confident woman who knows herself best can make the right decision for you, not based in fear, not based in lack of trust of your own body or your own ability, but based in fact, fully informed consent, not fear mongering, so that you can then go make the best decision for you. And you might listen to this podcast today and go, whew, I am 100% having a repeat cesarean awesome like I'm so so happy for you if that's what this information helps lead you towards and that is the most aligned true version of your choice that is all I am after and if you listen to this podcast today and you go oh that risk is 100% acceptable for me I am so confident to try for a VBAC then I am wrapped for you. I'm equally as wrapped, whichever choice you make, as long as it is rooted in fully informed understanding of what the risks are rather than just being scared, right? So I really hope you loved it. Come on over to at Physio Laura and please let me know what you got out of this episode. I love to know that real humans listen to this podcast. I love to know that what you're getting out of it, what questions you might have, any follow-up questions that I might be able to jump on and do a Q&A on or you know, help you out even more. I don't want you to feel alone on this journey. I had my moments of feeling alone and that's what this podcast series is all about is to help you not feel on your own, floundering around trying to find the right information but feeling really lost. So I really hope you loved it. Please jump on over to at the VBAC link if you like Julie and Megan, you wanna learn more from them. They're amazing. And if you wanna be able to ask me any further questions, I am an open book. You can ask me inside my online program, The Pregnancy Posse. I jump on and do Q&As. Whenever questions come through, I'm in the community forum there. You can ask me any questions there. Plus, there's a whole wealth of information on preparing for birth physically and mentally. Plus, we have all our amazing weekly workouts to keep your body strong and ready for labor and birth. Um, They're only 10 to 15 minutes long, super achievable when you've already got children running around at home. So I know you're going to love it. If that sounds good to you, jump on over to at no, not at just thepregnancybossy.com and you can trial the program for seven days. But without further ado, mamas, I'm going to let you go. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Stay tuned for our final episode in this series coming out next week, which is all about choosing the right care provider. Uber, uber important part of having a successful VBAC is having the right care provider and the right environment. So really important episode to listen to. So subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss that. And I will catch you all next week. Bye for now.